All right. Well, hey, I want to tell you a little story real quick. Um, and I apologize if you've heard this story before. The problem with getting older is, is, is uh, you tell stories that you've told before. But also the good part about getting older is I don't care anymore. Um, so there, there was this time when I was a kid. I lived in, um, I grew up in Pasadena, but then we, my family and I, we moved out to a place called Glendora. And we were in a townhome complex. I went from having no friends to being in this townhome complex that lived all around me, all these kids. And so I got in trouble really fast. And uh, <laughs> what we would do is we'd ride around and the mailman would come by and he would drop off all these uh, letters in- into each little section. Um, there was a bunch of mail slots. And, well, mailmen have an abundance, and male women, they have an abundance of uh, rubber bands that they just and he would this particular mailman would leave rubber bands all the time at the top so we would just gather these rubber bands together and we would tie, we would do a little slip tie on them and, and make them very long well at one time we had about a 50 to 60 foot long rubber band and um, if you know if you're in junior high and you have a 60 foot long rubber band you're gonna get in trouble Okay, that's just the way it is. And there was this kid in, in, in the complex that, for some reason, we just loved to torture. I feel bad about it now. We actually, don't judge me, um, because we, we went back later, I did especially, and made amends with him. But for some reason, we just had to torment this, this kid named Bill. And uh, half the reason was because he was like twice the size of us, but he ran really slow. So we were able to do that and get away with it. Um, so anyway, what we did is we had this 20 foot, 25 foot long, if you were to connect it back, you know, something to that effect, so about 60 feet long, 50 feet long. And, uh, and what we did is we just went to, to Bill's house one day and we had security doors. You know those security uh, screen doors? They're, they're real thick and just made of metal. Well, what we did is we took, we, we, we took one side of that rubber band and attached it to, this, to, to, to one side of the security thing and the other side on the other of uh, the gate, right? Um, so... We just took this monstrosity and did that, so that was check. And then we pulled the rubber band monstrosity back about 25, 30 feet, check. And then we placed a Coke can full of, of Coke in the end of that, check, right? And, and, and a friend was ready as we had that thing pulled back right at the secure, just taut about 25, 30 feet, just holding it with the Coke can in it. Another friend uh, um, pushed the doorbell, rung it, Check. Because you can imagine, here's that security door closed with the other door that's going to open, right? And, uh, uh, and, and ready to, to run like a bat out of you know where as soon as we released it. Double check, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so when Bill opened that door, <laughs> boom, Coca-Cola splattered. That can hit that door and just he just <laughs> covered with Coca-Cola. And it, it made the loudest boom. It was crack. And you could just see Bill, he was, oh, he got, I don't think I've ever seen him so angry. And he just tore open that door and we're like, run, we ran, oh, it was, and we're laughing and running for our dear life. Um, and I just remember that story because, first of all, I, I, I feel bad, but it's also just a, I don't know, to me it's hilarious. I can't believe we had that kind of ingenuity to think of that, you know? <laughs> It's like people say, I don't know how to love my neighbor. Are you kidding? We are so creative on how to get people. We're so creative on how to get money. We're so creative how to do these. You can be creative in your loving of somebody. Because <laughs> if two, you know, a bunch of teenagers can get together and develop this creative way to hurt somebody, we can definitely develop a way to creatively love. But um, anyway, long story short, to me, I look at this and I'm like, some of us, we, we, 
we open a door and it just get, we just get wham, you know, we get slammed. Um, and, and we're going to look at a passage today that Jesus, Jesus talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. And, and many of us have lived long enough in this world where we have asked, we've sought, and we've knocked in relationships and health and children and jobs and friends and, and just something comes hurtling at that door as we open it and wham, in, invariably it just happens. So you asked and you got turned down. You went seeking and got shut down. You opened the door and it slammed on you. And we've been looking, and this is the thing, we've been looking at the Savior that came down. Because we have a God that sent His Son and knew our predicament, knew what was going on as we're down out in the valley, as we're east of Eden, as we're exiles. He sent His Son to come to us and to lead us. To challenge us to not look at anything but Him. So are we going to trust God with our needs, with our problems, with our pain and the people in our lives? Are we going to ask, seek, and knock from God? Or carry on the pattern since the beginning of when we were kicked out of that garden as we've wandered east of Eden as exiles and ask, seek, and knock from everything else and everyone else? See, we have a God that passionately loves us, that passionately pursues us. And that's what we want to talk about today as we open up our text in Matthew chapter 7, okay? So let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to stand for the reading of God's Word, all right? Let's just stand right now as we, as we talk to our Lord. Lord, we just thank You. We thank You for the fact that You sent Your one and only Son. We didn't need two. We didn't need three. We only need one. And You sent Him. You don't just say You love us. You showed it. And You share it. Lord, we know that you have given us a great treasure in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, many of us have come to this place and we're tired. We're tired of the answers we're getting when we've asked everyone but you. We're we're just worn out from seeking because we've just sought in so many different paths, so many different things other than you. And honestly... Our hands are sore from knocking at the door of everything but you. The door of the kingdom of heaven. And you've invited us. And we thank you for that. And so Lord, as we, as we look at this, Lord, we know that we're not here just to hear. We're here to become disciples. As you journeyed with your disciples then, you want to journey with us as your disciples today. May we look to you, hear you, and respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, remain standing, and we, we, we're going to go ahead and read out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. And Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you or to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Okay, you can be seated. 
Now, something going on here that I find really, really interesting. <laughs> this is the culmination, and what we have here is the golden rule. Anybody grew up with the golden rule? Golden rule? Yeah, we don't really teach it very much in school today. Um, but, but the golden rule, uh, which is, I think, a great rule, and the reason why probably we call it the golden rule. Uh, but what's interesting here is, is, why does Jesus say this now in the sermon? That's something I was thinking about. You know, I was reading some commentaries and things like that. And why does he talk about this now? Why doesn't he start the Sermon on the Mount by saying this as opposed to right now? It's it's weird, but we have to remember, first and foremost, that as Jesus is giving us this through the Sermon on the Mount, through the Beatitudes, through Matthew chapter 5 to 7, he's been basically saying all these things which are challenging the culture of the day and challenging us right now that... You can't rely on yourself. See, at the end of the day, if you, if you can sit there and say, wow, look what I did, you've missed it. You've missed what Jesus is, is saying here, what Jesus came to share, what love came down to do, which is through us and in us what we can't do on our own. Getting to know the Father. We just can't do it on our own. And so we have to remember that, as we talked about last week, to stop Judging, Because that's what we want to do ultimately. That's what we want to do. We want to, to, to make that happen. We need to have a ruler, the judge of our life, be the one that works through us, not ourselves making it happen. So I believe that Jesus is putting this here first and foremost to just put a bookend on every relationship that we have with people. Saying, if you're approaching your relationships with people and the pain that those people bring, which we all know is the truth, <laughs> people bring pain, it's just the way it is. The greatest pain in our life is a lot of times with people. And a lot of times it happens because, and they don't even mean it to. People die. That brings pain. And it wasn't even their fault. They just died. Many of us are, are trying to live the present by forgetting our past, dealing with the people that brought us the pain. And so Jesus says, are you trusting in me? At the end of the day, are, are, you, are you letting me work through your life? Because that's the only way this is going to happen. See, I didn't come down just to tell you something. I came down to lead you into the kingdom and others around you. So he wants us to see this impossibility. And that's why we truly need help. And I want to look at two cold, hard facts here. Two cold, hard facts. So if you're taking notes, that's, we, we want you to crank the blank here. Fact number one, everyone asks, everyone seeks, everyone knocks. This isn't something you have to, to learn how to do. Um... Anybody ever been a baby? Yeah. You, you just cried when you were hungry. Feed me, feed me. Right? You asked to be fed. Babies do this. To seek attention. I, I was a junior high youth pastor for a long time. Believe me. Junior high girls and boys, this, isn't, this is like ingrained in them. Seeking attention. Seeking it. To knock on the door of opportunity, to knock, to seek, to find, to get it, to go after. We have to. This is the world we live in. We, we weren't taught this. This is just a part of who we are. See, we do this. And, and I don't think I need to remind us all about how inadequate and unpredictable the responses can be and how tough or, I guess I could say, underwhelming when we ask of anything or anyone in this world today, or we seek anything or anyone in this world today. 
or we knock with anything or anyone in this world today, how underwhelming the response typically is. It never meets our ultimate desire. See, maybe you ask for help or a commitment from a friend or a loved one, and for a while it seemed to be, you know, there, but in the end or over time, what was asked for was never truly answered. Uh, maybe you went seeking fulfillment in that career or that job or that area of life um, or in family or in kids and, and that you were given or you, you sought after, uh, you pushed, you fought, you quote-unquote seeked, right? Seek it with all your might at the end of the day. You were unfulfilled. Maybe you went knocking on different doors every night, knocking on a on pleasure's door, on on addictive behaviors door, busyness, health, wealth. Oh gosh, you could fill in the blank, couldn't you? Anything. And yet it slams eventually and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't add up. It just doesn't completely fulfill. See, we have asked, we have sought, we have knocked in so many areas and we've been left found wanting. Second cold hard fact. Who you expect to answer who you expect to find and who you expect to open truly matters. See, where that it's expectation. That matters. Now, I remember a time when I was a kid and I, I, my mom was a house cleaner um, and, and we didn't, you know, I mean, it was one of those things that I, I didn't get much uh, toys when I was growing up and stuff. And so it, Christmas time, birthday time, that was, that was the time. You know what I mean? I, I, I didn't really get a... Uh, um, uh, an allowance, you know, it was like, you do the chores because you, you, I feed you, boy. You know, that's the way it was. I used to have friends that would be like, yeah, my, you know, I got stacks of Benjamins to the sky, you know, because their parents were just paying them money to, to, to sweep. I'm like, oh, you know, I wish, I wish that was my parents. I wish I could get money like that. But yeah, so I didn't really have a lot. And, and I remember Christmas and, and birthdays, I would save up and I'd be like, okay, whatever I have, I'm, I'm going to use this. And I remember there was this one toy that I seriously wanted. And I, it was funny. <laughs> I actually searched for this toy to get a picture of it. I could not find it anywhere. Um, it was one of those, do you guys know where you, 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 fly, you do the track like with cars? Right? And you can like, you know, remote control kind of on a track. But this wasn't cars, this was airplanes. And they had like little um, wires that would go to them. And you could, you not only could go around and around, you could go up and down. It was like 3D track racing, right? I mean, it was like, oh, I'm in a dogfight. You can get close and, and, and hit the, I mean, that's what the commercial did. And of course, you know, the commercial has got like, when they're doing the commercial, just like today, it's like when you buy the G.I. Joes back in the day, they have the commercials where like bombs are going off and the kids are like, got like dirt in their face. Oh my gosh. You know, then you get the, 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 the G.I. Joe and it's like, oh, this is underwhelming. Um, you know, it didn't look like the TV. It's like buying the hamburger, you know, at McDonald's. It doesn't look anything like that. Um, and it tastes like cardboard. Did I eat it or did I put it on my face? You know, um, so... Bottom line, you know, I got this thing and I pulled it out of the box and I'm like, sweet! And I was getting ready to, you know, ten minutes into it, the thing fell apart. Fell apart. I'm like, are you serious? I mean, broken beyond repair. And my mom's just like, that's what you get for buying a piece of junk. (laughs) That's what you wanted. I'm like, isn't that the way life is? I mean, honestly, I mean, we could talk about a little stupid toy, but... But some of you have gotten into relationships and we idealize it. We expect. And then those expectations are never met. 
never fully. That job, that career, that area, that thing, your family, your spouse, your marriage, your job, your kids, the plans for retirement, the economy. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But anything in creation and everyone in creation is going to leave you to a point where when you ask, when you seek, when you knock, they will come back wanting, emptier, not fulfilling completely. This is the truth. And it's hard. I don't like these cold hard facts, but it's what it is. See, being east of Eden, kicked out of of what we God created for us, being in exile, we've learned to ask and seek and knock on all these things. And that's what you get. That's that's the ultimate end to those things. But we need to remember that we have a God that in our exile came to our place of exile. Didn't stand behind the walls of Eden saying, come on, try to get over here. No, he, he, he busted those doors down, came out and, and grabbed us, each and every one of us, and says, I love you, I care for you, I've got a plan and a purpose for you. I love what Second Peter 1, 3-4 says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So he's talking about Jesus here. Jesus came down not just to tell us, but to give us not just that knowledge, but the power to live the life that God has for us, not on these things, the creation, but the creator, not on the providence, but the provider. This is what Jesus did. In verse 4, through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, that divine dance, the community, the fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. I was reading a book recently and it said, you know, Adam came and what he did is he, you know, Adam and Eve, and they they were in perfection, in the garden, and in the garden... They screwed it up and got kicked out. But God sent His Son in the desert to face the snake one more time to bring us back to the garden, to bring us back to Eve, to bring us back to what Adam and Eve should have done in the the first place. Because God wasn't content with us being exiles. So, if the promise... What do we do with these promises? Well, if everyone asks and seeks and knocks, we need to realize how empty we are without Jesus. You you can't get much more personal than the Son of God saying, just ask. You can't get much more personal than that. But see, you can't ask unless you know your need. Does that make sense? I I mean, it's it's like the the, the kid that he's coming to you and he's asking. Why? Because he doesn't know. Um, I was one of those kids that was very annoying. I know, it's hard to believe. You're like looking at me like, you, annoying? I was. Um, And I asked a million and one questions. And I had teachers going, stop asking questions! I'm tired of your questions! I got better, you know. Then I used to mock those people when I was in school later. But, you know, I asked so many questions. Why? Because I didn't know and I needed needed an answer. I gotta have an answer. I gotta have an answer. See, you don't ask unless unless you need. We need to see how empty we truly are without Him in our life. And if we don't come to the, at the end of the day to that fact, to that realization, we've missed it. And that's what Jesus has been lining up as he came down to say. He's came down to say, look, I get it. 
Here's your cheery word for the day. You're lost. (laughs) Nothing says going to church like getting depressed, right? (laughs) You're lost. But that's why I'm here. And that's the glorious fact of grace. That's the glorious truth of the love that came down. To not just show us our need, but to fill that need. To fill it. See, the sad truth is everything else will leave you empty when you don't recognize how much you need Jesus. So secondly, if, if who you expect to answer, find, and open truly matters, then, then we can truly trust our eternal Father. This is why Jesus points out to verses chapter, uh, in verses 9 and 11, in the verses 9 and 11, He says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Because, you know, you kind of have to wonder, what's up with the snakes and the stones, right? So if you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, well, well, how much more than your eternal Father in heaven gives good gifts to those who ask? Notice first and foremost, I want to point something out. If you've got your Bible and you've got it open, just underline this. He says you, not we. He he, he doesn't say which, which, if you then, though you are evil, he doesn't say if we then... Who's this guy think he is? Does he think he's God or something? Exactly. Exactly. He, he doesn't love himself into our East of Eden aspect. He came, but to bring us out of that. We can trust in Jesus to bring us back to the Eternal Father who is alone trustworthy. See, and he's pointing out, if, if parents who definitely aren't perfect... I'm not a perfect parent. Anybody out there? You're not perfect if you're a parent because you're there. Okay? That's just the truth. (laughs) How much more the perfect eternal Father who knows us can give us what we need, truly need. There's not one kid I've ever counseled in the hundreds if not thousands that I've counseled that has come away from awesome parents. Parents I wish I had when I was growing up. Nothing against my parents, but man, it's like, wow, they had all the money, they had all the the time, all the whatever. I wish I had They all walk away going, yeah, but there was something I didn't get. I just wasn't, I asked for this and I didn't get it. And that's my privilege to be able to point them to the eternal father. that says, when you ask of him, you will get. You will. Because he says, ask of me. And that's who he is. We can ask of him. And we can rely on him. We can truly seek him. And we will truly find him. We can knock. And he will truly open and not slam us. The truth is, love came down to lead us to the Father, to bring us out of this limited, broken and bruised life to the eternal life. John 17, if someone asks you, what's the point? Why did Jesus come? This is the best thing to ever look at, right here. John chapter 7, verse 3. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The whole point of Jesus coming down is to link us to the eternal Father that we were meant to have that relationship with, who walked with us in the cool of the day in Eden. See, now's the time to drop the empty promises of this world and embrace Jesus who leads us to the eternal Father. Maybe you're on the ropes. You got beat up because you've been asking, seeking, and knocking on every door but God. And hey, maybe you know God. Maybe you are a follower of Christ, but guess what? You're not perfect. You've made, been made perfect by His blood, but you still have to live in a world very imperfect, covered with glass, and you're getting cuts everywhere. So I, I think now's the time for you personally to commit yourself 
to asking of God, seeking and knocking. Jesus leads us to the Eternal Father. Now, this is where many of the Jews would have stopped in Jesus' day, but Jesus didn't. Because it's not just about connecting with God. Remember the two greatest commandments. He says it sums up the law and the prophets. And he sums up the law and the prophets in another area of the Bible as well when he says the two greatest love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love others as yourself. See, I'd be remiss to stop here. We have to remember that the, that love for God and asking, seeking, and knocking always starts with Him but always plays out in our relationship and love of the people around us or who we embrace. See, it's not just about connecting with Him. It's also about being in His kingdom to connect others with Him. The two are always linked. Love God, love others. This is the best litmus test, by the way, that you can take. Remember back in the day, did you ever take any chemistry or biology? I can't remember which one it was. That's how much I was paying attention. Um, but they had this little thing called a litmus test. And you would put a different, like water, you would put different, you know, base, acid, or whatever. You put it in there, and it would tell you exactly what kind of pH balance was from that limit. It was a test to tell you what that was and if it was safe to drink, not safe to drink, blah, blah, blah. Right? You get it? So I think the best litmus test that God gives us on how we are loving Him is by how that plays out to our love of others. That's why He links the two. They're just as important. This is why Jesus sums it up. Look at verse 12 one more time. So in everything do to others. See, He's saying so. Get it? When you ask and you seek and you knock, I'll give. But ultimately, this is why. So to do to others what you have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. You see, it's always linked. It's not just me and God, we're good. Hang everybody else. No, it's God and I and how it plays out to those around in my relationship with the community, in those people loving my enemies. Praying for those that persecute me. See, Jesus is bringing us back to something vital here. What you believe about how God treats you is how you will treat others. Let me say that one more time. What you believe about how God treats you also is how you will treat others. You see, is God uh, uh, um, you know, exclusive? Is he like a country club with a big fence? Hey, can I get in? No, you need to go shower first. <laughs> you know, you're ugly. No, you smell. You're not rich enough. You're not white enough. You're not black enough. Right? No, no. That's not what God does. God has no barriers. He says, come to me, all, all, everyone. I can't wait. Uh, in August, we're going to start a whole new series. Please, bring your friends. You guys have never seen Leviticus like, it, like we're going to go through it. We're going through the book of Leviticus, people. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to look at the offerings and the feasts and the sacrifices. And it gets bloodier than, than, a, than a junior hire's, uh, you know, greatest zombie fest thing that they all talk about. And I was working with junior hires. I mean, it gets crazy, but it's awesome. And I can't wait to go through that with you guys. Because there's some amazing stuff that we see about God and how he draws near and calls us to draw near to him. But see, the truth is, he, he draws near to us. So how do we draw to other people? Because what you believe about how God treats you is how you will treat others. See, is God controlling, manipulative, empty, angry, going to let you down? Or is he about connection? Is he about asking and seeking and knocking? See, I guess what Jesus, if I just to follow his, his logic here, is God giving you a stone or a snake? 
Do you believe that? Do you really believe in life that God is giving you stones? Because that's what you're going to give to others. Do you really believe in life that God is giving you a snake when you've asked for a fish? Because if you do, that's how you're going to treat others. See, if you're like this with God, then you're going to be like this with others. But if you're like this with God, then you're going to be like this with others. You get it? That's what Jesus is saying. And it's so simple. Anybody can get it. Even I got it. (laughs) I don't always do it, (laughs) but I get it. This is the truth. The eternal Father. We embrace others. We forget that He seeks us out and wants to give to us generously. So practically, what do we need to do? We need to ask, seek, and knock with others as we love on them as Jesus loves us. We do this, us do with them as we do, we want done to us. It's hard to say three times fast. But let me just lay this out really quick. We're almost done here. Three things. Ask first. What does that mean? To me, pray. Equals pray. If you're filling out notes. We should be praying for the people to love on. Asking the Lord, who would you have me love on today? I've been, I call this, and I'm sorry if this offends you, but the holy hit list. (laughs) Lord, I want a holy hit list where I can just pray for people. I can love on them. That's what I want. You know, not a notch on my belt, but just show them love. People need love. We need to be creative in our love. We need to reach out. We live in such a closed off world. We have our yards, we have our locks, we have our doors, we have everything, and we go, you can go from, from place to place and place and never truly reach out. And God is saying, ask, pray. One of the saddest statistics I ever read was out of Willow Creek, which had oodles and oodles of people, probably about 50,000, 60,000 people that they, at this church that, that they, um, they polled. In this. It was two questions, and one of the questions was very simple. Um, do you care about homeless people? And like 99.9% of all the Christians at this church they polled said, absolutely, without a doubt. The next question was also simple, but a little more telling, and it said, how many homeless people do you know the name of? Two percent. Two percent. So you have a 98 plus percent that says absolutely and two percent that actually knew a name of somebody. Now, I'm not here to guilt you to go out. I've got to find the name of a homeless person. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. There's a disconnect. I love God. I'm all about connecting with God and yes, let's worship, praise the Lord. And do you connect that with love of others though? That's the litmus test. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, pray. Who does God care about? Who do you need to ask Him who He cares about near you? The saddest story ever is the story of, of um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> the rich man and Lazarus. And, and Lazarus is the beggar at the street and the rich man. and It's just sad because the rich man never even reached out. He was right outside his door. Lazarus was right outside the rich man's door and Lazarus just lived on the food that was cast to the dogs. And that rich man never got it. Who does God care about? Ask God. He'll tell you. Seek. Pursue. This is as simple as pursue. God will show you. See, if you ask, He'll answer. And when you seek what He's answered with, you pursue it. We need to go now. You need to make a point of actually loving on that person that God has revealed to you. 
If it's your neighbor, get some cookies together. Get over there. If it's that annoying person at work, seek them out in love, gentleness, and respect. Yeah, but they're annoying. I know, isn't it great? (laughs) Greater is the reward. If it's that person you see outside at the grocery store or gas station, go to them. Find out who they are and seek a way to love them with Christ's love. Matthew, at the end there with the sheep and the goats, Jesus says, what did you do for the least of these? That's why the mission is all about the least, the last, and the lost. Because we want to get there at that point and have God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You had this and you did this with it. You came and you not only loved me, but you loved others. Knock. That's push. If we're about asking God or praying and then pursuing, then we need to be pushed. Every single one of us, I would say, needs a good, good push by the Holy Spirit. Amen? <laughs> That's why he sent his counselor. You don't know what to say? He'll push you to say the right thing. But are we seeking him? We have this great passage in the book of Revelation that comes to us where, we, where Jesus uses the same word for the word knock here that he uses in, in, in Matthew chapter 7. And it's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, 19 and 20. And what's interesting, if you look at that in context, Jesus is going through and saying, I've got this to say to these churches. See, one of the scariest things is when I talk with Jason, I'm like, hey man, at the end of the days, man, you and I are going to have to say, what, God's going to say, what, you, what did you do with the mission? What did you do with the mission? That's why I try to take whatever we've got and give it to the least, last, and lost. I say, look, we, 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 we cared for those that you care for. That's all I want to do. That's it. That's being a disciple. It's simple. But here the church of Laodicea, he says, your love has grown cold. You're neither warm, you're neither super cold, you're lukewarm. And so I vomit you out. That's That's the saddest thing I think Jesus could say to any church. And what's interesting is he's saying this. He's saying, go back to your first love. And if you love Jesus, then you love who Jesus loves. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And he says this at the end of it. He says, to those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. To Christians, by the way. To Christians, people who know him. He's pushing. The Holy Spirit is pushing. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, we need Jesus to knock and the Holy Spirit to push us into his will and way for those around us. I don't know, maybe you're like me and you need a good knock on the head. Usually I'm way too self-absorbed to think about the person next to me. (laughs) So I have to start my day with, okay, Lord, here I am. Who do you want? I'm going to pray. Now, how do I pursue? I need a good push. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, you you didn't just come down to connect us with, with your son so that we can live in knowing you. That's the greatest thing I could think of, just knowing you. I mean, the fact that you as the creator want to have a personal relationship with me, a, a created puff of smoke. I mean, I'm here today, gone tomorrow. And you want to connect with us. You want to live through us. You want. It's not just that, though. You want us to also be connected to those who, who, who live around us. You've come so that we might go. You came down to us who are exiled to take us by the hand and grab as many other exiles with us and say, Jesus loves you. 
I've been praying for you. I'm here to pursue you. And I'm being pushed by the Holy Spirit in a way that's not comfortable for me, but does everything for my brother or sister. This is why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. Because if it was up to me, hang all those other people. (laughs) I just care about Chris. And honestly, I think that's the easiest thing for me to say in all honesty because that's the truth. We're all there. It's easy for us in exile to just survive. I'm just going to survive. I'm going to get by. I'm going to get what I get can get while I can. But God, you came down to show us a new way, a new creation, a new way to really be connected to you and embracing the world around us. So my challenge right now to those my brothers and my sisters here, let us, not, let, let us not just thank you for what you've given and know that you're giving us bread and fish, manna from heaven to live on. Every word that comes from the mouth of God is our food. But you've given it to us so that we might now take it, as it says in the book of Isaiah, share it with those who are in need. Because it's always linked to loving you and then loving others. And so may we take this and give it to the needy, to give it to the orphan, to give it to the widow. Let us not be focused so much on politics but on people. Not so much on philosophy but the poor. On good works but the widows. Not just opulence but the orphans. God, you are good. And may we not just hoard that goodness but give it out. Lord, may we ask, seek, and knock, just not on you, but on those around us that you've called us to. Lord, I bless my brothers and my sisters right now. Lord, and we're going to have a time of prayer for any of those that need it afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. We have prayer warriors, prayer partners down here. Just stick around in your seat. Come, come forward and we'll pray for you after the service. But our goal is not just to, to get filled up, but to go out. This is what God did with us. Now let us go and do likewise. Amen.